This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Zippy Duvall, president of the American Farm Bureau Federation. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Zippy Duvall next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 300 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. U.S. agriculture has weathered any number of economic storms over the past two decades. But never in the history of the nation have so many commodities and so much of the food production and distribution system been challenged at the same time. Georgia farmer Zippy Duvall says American Farm Bureau is grateful for the assistance Washington has provided thus far, but reminds leaders... This storm is far from over. We are very appreciative of what Congress, the USDA, and Secretary Purdue, and the President has done for agriculture. But what we saw in the CFAP program and the programs that's been delivered to us uh, over time actually affected things up to the, up to April 15th. And, of course, COVID-19 was not over on April 15th, so we continue to see those effects hitting agriculture even after a very difficult farm economy over the last six or seven years and a a trade war. So I would tell them we're in desperate need of continued support, and and it is important to the American people and the national security of our country that our farmers uh, stay vibrant and be able to continue farming and be there for the next crop. This is a difficult situation, and the fact back in the 90s you said we want a farm program that allows us to produce for a marketplace but you've seen marketplace disruptions that are beyond your control that has turned you back into some areas of direct assistance. Uh, do you hope to turn the pendulum back the other way? Of course. We all, farmers always want to farm for the market. Uh, we want our money. We want our profit to come from the marketplace. But when you have trade wars, when you have natural disasters, and when you have a pandemic, all that stuff is out of our hands, and there's nothing that we can do to prevent them. And it takes the federal government getting involved to make sure that food system stays strong and our farmers stay vibrant. President Duvall, the House Heroes Act was approved, and it has a lot in it for a lot of people. What about agriculture, and what would you say to the Senate now that they begin to consider another round of relief assistance? Well, the number one thing is we need to make sure that all commodities get some assistance. You know, we did, you know, there's some commodities that didn't get assistance. Uh, uh, it was restricted to only two commodities on the farm. We know that there's contract situations like contract growers that grow for the integrated vertical integration poultry industry that suffered great losses because of the interruption and because they weren't owners of the animals they they were not in the CFAP program and we need to go back and try to identify a way to uh, help them we we've estimated it was 750 million dollars worth of losses 
in the contract grower uh, area. And then, of course, uh, one of the biggest areas that we could do is is a sh- uh, uh, for Congress to revisit the borrowing powers of the USDA through the Commodity Corporation system. In 1980, it was moved to $30 billion. And with inflation up to today, we think that number ought to be closer to $68 billion. So we're hoping that Congress will revisit the ability for USDA to borrow more money and be able to help farmers uh, as we go through difficult times. Some legislators have suggested that they're okay with adding dollars to the lending authority of the Commodity Credit Corporation. House Ag Chair Colin Peterson is one of those, but also suggested that if additional dollars are moving in that direction, that perhaps the legislative committees uh, respective to agriculture should have the opportunity to have more control about how those dollars are spent. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that slows the process down, but you know, I can understand uh, the congressman uh, feeling that way, wanting control, wanting some more controls over that to make sure that the areas are, uh, that they can have some say about where that those monies go. But I think it, it slows the process down. Uh, under this secretary, he's been very efficient. He's been uh, accessible to everyone, and he's tried to make sure that uh, all all agriculture across America has received the need that they get. I think the most important thing is that we realize that $30 billion just doesn't cut the mustard anymore, and we really need to raise that limit up uh, above uh, closer to $68 billion. Just a couple of days ago, Senate Majority Leader McConnell told the media that this next round of assistance would need to be about kids, jobs, health care, and liability protection. In a conversation with me a few weeks ago, he had suggested that we borrowed enough, uh, all indicating a more conservative approach than the House Heroes Act. Can we afford to be conservative on agriculture right now? Well, you know, I, we did a survey and, and asked Americans what they thought about agriculture, and we got some really good data back on that survey. And one of the questions was, do you think that agriculture is a national security issue? And, and 59% of Americans that we surveyed said it was a national security issue. We can't afford to risk our food system being strained to the point where we lose farmers and our farmlands our farmers go away and we have to depend on other countries to feed us. If we do that, we'll be in a lot worse shape we were when we were depending on them for energy. And now we're energy independent and agriculture play a role in that. And we play a role each and every day in our national security uh, areas that, that, so that we can feed ourselves and not have to depend on other countries. We cannot afford to hold back. We need to make sure that uh, rural America and agriculture stays workable. Over this past week, I had a chance to speak with the president of the National Pork Producers Council, A.V. Roth from Wisconsin. He suggested that additional support for swine producers wasn't just a matter of needing help. It was a matter of life and death for those family farming operations. Do you see this situation that we're in now as critical to prevent a purge in farms? Oh, yes. I mean, the pork industry has taken a beating from several different directions, whether it be trade war, whether it be uh, interruptions uh, at the processing plants. And, and that's been the biggest place that has had the interruption. You know, that, that system is, is like a pipeline, and those animals are in that pipeline heading for harvest. 
and when harvest doesn't happen, uh, it, it breaks that link in the chain and everything starts backing up. And what does a farmer do with thousands and thousands ahead of, of animals and nowhere to sell them? What do you do with those animals? And it is uh, definitely a huge problem that we've got to continue to look at and try to figure out how we put forth plans to prevent this from happening in the future. Looking at after COVID, when it is finally over, do you fear that the emergency assistance, the emergency support financially that farmers have received will make it more difficult to get a new farm bill when the time comes? I think it's going to make us look at how the farm bill is built. Of course, the last one went more toward the risk management tools, and I, I think we'll start seeing conversations not just around how do we set that farm bill up, be prepared for uh, emergencies like pandemic, natural disasters, uh, but also around climate change. We're going to see conservation programs and carbon credit uh, programs, I think, will be a part of our, our next farm bill, and it's going to be a, a big discussion. Uh, uh, I think that this pandemic has proven to America and the public and the, uh, the uh, politicians that we are essential to this country. Uh, that we are uh, a national security issue, uh, and I think that drives us uh, in a direction that we could get another farm bill, and, and but it definitely will probably look different than what we've experienced in the past. The country has seen some tremendous federal outlays to assist all of the economy. Some are suggesting that now is the time also to invest in infrastructure. While money is cheap, interest rates are low, now's the time to dig in for roads and bridges, and, and certainly some are suggesting especially uh, rural broadband. Do you see a need for an infrastructure bill, and, and does it need to wait, or does it need to come uh, here in the midst of crisis? Well, with unemployment being high as it is, we need to create jobs. There's no better way to create jobs and build an infrastructure. We've seen that in our history of our country where we expanded and built our infrastructure, providing jobs for America and growing our economy by doing that. And broadband is just as important piece of the infrastructure as electrification of rural America was back when my dad, my dad and granddad were coming up. You know, we have to. It's not a luxury anymore. It's a necessity. And one out of four uh, rural Americans do not have access to broadband. And we're uh, very different from the urban areas of this country. Uh, we we depend on it. We need it for our, not just our health care areas because 88% of our rural communities are underserved in health care. Uh, we need it in education. And what young person, after going to a, a university where they got great broadband and have studied and learned and used the Internet, fast-speed Internet, what, what young person is going to go back to rural America where they don't have access to that? Uh, their opportunities are limited, and we got to fix these, and the infrastructure bill is vitally important in all those areas. Let's drift over to the discussion on climate. You mentioned that a minute ago. Uh, the House has offered uh, its uh, report, 547 pages, as I understand, uh, about climate. And agriculture is one of the 12 pillars. Have you had a chance to see what House members have offered? And uh, do you believe that agriculture does have a seat at the table? Well, I think agriculture has to have a seat at the table, even though that 
we only contribute uh, 10% or less in uh, greenhouse gases. Uh, we have to have a seat at the table because what we need to be able to do is express to Congress and to the American people what agriculture has already done for decades to help this situation. If we hadn't been doing what we've been doing for the last two or three decades, we would be way over that, that 10% of greenhouse gases. And if you look at what we do in taking care of our wetlands, our forest lands, our grasslands, and the carbon we're sequestering in those areas, if you put that into the formula, we're probably a zero. So we need to be at the table to make sure everybody understands what we have done and what we do in the future. Uh, one of the key pieces of that is make sure that we have research and development dollars there to continue to research what the new uh, conservation programs are that our farmers can put on the ground. And, and we depend on land-grant colleges and extension services to deliver those discoveries and conservation to our farms because our farmers are eager to take advantage of those and want to continue to be part of the solution just like we have in the past. The Senate Ag Committee held a hearing on Senator Stabenow's legislation that would establish uh, the Department of Agriculture as, if you will, a, a clearinghouse uh, building the foundation to show that farming practices actually do sequester carbon that could mean a revenue stream for producers. Some calling it a win-win-win and the fact that it's helping a revenue stream for farmers, it's helping to provide a better environment, and it's also providing uh, and making for healthier soils. What do you think about carbon as a revenue stream? Will it fly in your uh, organization and with your membership? Oh, I think so. And one one thing, you got to have trust in the system. And putting that system into the USDA would provide some trust at the farm level in knowing that uh, that clearinghouse uh, was reliable and trustworthy. You know, back in the 80s, when I was a young farmer, we struggled so hard. One of the things that helped a lot of us get through, including myself here on my farm, was diversification. I diversified. I was just daring at the time and went into poultry growing broilers at the time. And it really was uh, the salvation of my farm. I would would not be a farmer today if it had not been for diversification. I think carbon credit market and, and being able to let farmers participate in that market and one that's trusted uh, is is part of that diversification that can help us in the future. And everything that we're doing uh, in that carbon credit market is, is benefiting the environment, benefiting Americans, and benefiting the natural resources. President Duvall, we are in an election year, and some suggesting, especially in key states, that renewable fuel, the RFS and ethanol and biodiesel, are going to be a part of the campaign and discussion. Even before the EPA now, there is a request for some retroactive small refinery exemptions. How do you evaluate the EPA's administration of the RFS, and is this an issue that Farm Bureau is still concerned about? No, it definitely is. I mean, look what's happened to corn. We were proud. We were proud to be part of America's movement to get away from our energy dependence of other countries. Ethanol production was a direction that uh, Congress and the American people pointed agriculture in to be part of that solution. Uh, we delivered that big time, and uh, a lot of farmers invested in it. And now to walk away from that 
unbelievable infrastructure in those rural communities that has uh, helped farmers and ranchers and rural communities thrive and helped our country be energy independent is the wrong thing to do. We need to make sure that it's part of the discussion. We need to make sure that industry stays alive. It's just as important as any infra- any other infrastructure around other commodities. I mean, one of the ones I compare it with is, is the infrastructure around cotton. Uh, there's a huge infrastructure around that. It supports community after community through the south. Uh, ethanol plants are the same way in our heartland, and we need to make sure that those uh, that program continues. We need to make sure that uh, the EPA uh, reconsiders those small refinery waivers because it is has put a very difficult challenge on our ethanol industry. From the time of our conversation to the time that people are having the opportunity to hear it, USMCA has now gone into effect. Uh, what makes this trade agreement so important, and are there still some concerns with the trade relations between our neighbors to the north and the south? Well, there is. This trade agreement uh, shows the world that we can have a trade agreement with our two closest neighbors, uh, and it has been uh, a great, uh, NAFTA was a great uh, trade agreement for American agriculture growing to almost $40 billion over a 23-year period of time, coming from $8 billion. Uh, and it was continuing to grow when we renegotiated. Of course, it needed renegotiating. Uh, the, there were some things in the uh, old NAFTA trade agreement that needed to be, uh, you know, because there's so many things that's happened in agriculture uh, over those 20, 20 plus years to, to reconsider. Uh, but yes, uh, even though we haven't renegotiated trade agreement, we're very proud of it. Thank President. His, uh, administration done a great job in it. It continues what we did. It did not, uh, disrupt many things. Now, the things that you are referencing is, is one of the areas that we didn't get taken care of was the unfair practices between Mexico and, and America on fruits and vegetables. I mean, we got, uh, Georgia and Florida and South Alabama farmers that's gotten killed because they get flooded with cheap uh, fruits and vegetables uh, during our during our uh, peak uh, harvest time and it just destroys the market and we were unable to take care of that and then of course there's still some questions as to whether or not the agreement that Canada made on dairy is going to be uh, handled in a way that was intended in the agreement so we'll we'll see uh, you know, our countries are always trying to find an advantage over the other countries for their uh, people, and we we expect uh, our American uh, government, our U.S. government, to stand up for for our American farmers in this agreement and make sure that they go to every length uh, uh, in to enforce the rules of that agreement. Can American Farm Bureau support a deal with Britain? that does not include reform in the way that they trade with us regarding agriculture? No, a deal with, with those areas of the world has to have agriculture in it, and they got to reconsider some of the things that they say is wrong with our system that they can't prove by science. Uh, our system is proven by science, and a lot of it's around animal uh, treating animals humanely. It's around chlorinated chicken. You know, if you look at chlorinated chicken, and I'm in the chicken industry myself here. I've been in 34 years now. Uh, chlorination is used in about 10% of the processing plants, 
and most of that is used in cleaning the machinery. So, you know, their their complaints are not scientifically based, and they have to reconsider how they look at that uh, to be able to be part of a trade agreement with us. But agriculture has to be part of those trade agreements. We're going to hold tight on that, and we're going to push Congress and this administration to make sure that we don't have any kind of trade agreement that doesn't incorporate uh, agriculture. President Duvall, you have served this industry uh, so well. You have endured much, and yet you're still standing uh, there in the gap uh, as a voice for agriculture. We appreciate you taking time to be with us this morning on this edition of Open Mic, and it's Open Mic, and you have the last word today, sir. Well, farmers, uh, you know, we're, we're resilient. Uh, we've been through so much uh, over over our lifetime and our father's and grandfather's lifetime, we're always there for the next crop. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I want to encourage people uh, uh, to not just keep your head up and keep working, but I want to encourage them to be part of our organization and our commodity organizations. We have uh, banded together as, as brothers uh, between commodity groups and and uh, agribusiness and American Farm Bureau and our state farm bureaus, we've banded together to make sure that we provide that one voice and and that not just Congress but this administration uh, and the American people understand uh, agriculture better, and we continue to do that. We're very appreciative of this administration. Early on, this this president, when he was a candidate, he promised me that we'd have a seat at the table. He continues to provide us a seat at the table, and that has been uh, so uh, helpful for our farmers and ranchers, and we continue to work to try to make their life better. This pandemic's been difficult, uh, but there's nothing, nothing uh, that can be thrown at American agriculture that we can't survive as long as we stick together and work together. So let's help each other. Uh, let's help our industry and let's prepare it for our children and grandchildren to come behind us. Our thanks to AFBF President Zippy Duvall, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Dowling.